Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hockey House Podcast presented by OptumX Sports. I am your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by Colin Fitzgerald, Stephen Glick, and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you all the latest news in non-NCAA college hockey here in the United States. As you just heard, very exciting times here for the Hockey House podcast as we partnered with OptumX Sports, who will be the presenting sponsor of the show moving forward, and we'll have much more on that in a bit. But before we get started, we're calling this tie gate. I was just shown a picture of Fitz wearing a tie, uh, dressed up before one of his Fed games, and hey, listen. We're going to be the first ones to say it. We defend Fitz on TikTok all day long. I think we've done it now three episodes in a row. But he was upset because people were chirping him in the comments about the size of his tie. And I guess, Fitz, we'll go to you first because you're wearing the tie right now. (laughs) Thoughts on Tiegate? This is the tie in question. As I wear it currently, it sits pretty good for the length. So I don't know what happened in the picture. I think maybe it was Photoshopped and I didn't even realize someone might have stolen my phone. This is the best defense I can come up with, guys. I don't know what happened. It's a weak ass defense. I think it's because you're sitting down right now. I think like if you're sitting down, it's a little bit lower, but when you stand up, it might be it might raise up a little bit. Yeah, I'll just continue to sit down. But my other defense is I'm trying to start a movement out here. What's wrong with the short ties? You know, who's the who's the one guy that decided, oh, the tie has to be this long? I don't know who that guy is. I'm try- out here trying to trying to make plays, trying to start a movement. So anyone out there who wants to follow the short tie gang, I'm right behind you. I'm charging through right through the gates. This guy's comment about the short tie already got like 118 likes. <laughs> That's a tough look. This is too small. It is not appropriately. It's too short. Man. It is a hockey tie. It's got hockey. I'm not seeing that. Look. Here's the thing. I'm not saying the tie itself is bad. I'm saying that the length of the tie is not acceptable. Like, no, nuh-uh. We got to fix this. Like, we are we are contacting all of the, the stylish men's brands in the area. Men's Warehouse, we need a sponsorship for Fitz. Come on, you, you got you to gotta go for it. It takes the saying, you look like a clown to a whole new meaning because that is a clown tie. It looks like a clown tie. Like when I just got, I haven't even seen the TikTok myself. I think it was either Glick or Herm showed it. And I could just tell you looked like a clown in the mirror because it's so bunched up. Well, that's the thing is I've been getting some hate comments on TikTok and I don't know. I, I'm starting to to feel the pain and feel the hurt from everyone. And now I got Murph in here <laughs> calling, me, calling me the clown. I think from here on out, like, when, when we make social media posts, like, it's always better when I run them by Herm. Like, I think here on out, like, before you leave the house, you should maybe send Herm uh, a picture of your outfit, and, and yeah. he can he can correct it from there moving that, forward. That is a great idea. I've been trying to work on my style, so absolutely. We've got the Snapchat group chat, man. Like, all you gotta <sighs> yeah. do is do that. That's, that's your daily streak right there. We went to the bar after the game and, you know, didn't get much action, so that's, that's probably why, is the short tie. Everyone thought I was just some crazy loser. Or because you're a pro hockey player wearing a tie in a bar. We all, we all just went out in our suits afterwards. Ah, oh, all right. I'd maybe like, you know, take off the tie or, or do a Brian Burke style and just like drape it over you. That, that'd be a classy look. You don't have to worry about the length of the tie if you wear it like that. <laughs> now, Fitzy, you guys got the win that game, right? We got the win. This is the lucky tie, and I can't can't not wear it until we lose. So it's gonna be short ties from here on. Out. No, 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 no. You can wear the tie. You just have to tie it appropriately. Do I have to like retie? I think I tied it pretty good. Oh, Fitz definitely doesn't retie his ties either. No. No. Are you a zip tie? For- <laughs> are you a zip tie type of person? One guy asked, he's like, is it a clip-on? I was like, no. Fitz is wearing a clown tie, ripping up the bars and bingo after a big win. Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. 
Welcome to the Fed, boys. <laughs> well, well, welcome back to the Hockey House Pod. We are joined by Herm and Glick, who will check in, and we haven't talked to them since the new year. Glick, you just got back from your big ski trip up north. How'd that go? Yeah, it was awesome. I went up to Mount Tremblant in Canada. That was, uh, that's been a bucket list item for a couple of years, so I'm very happy to check that off. It was a great week. Now I'm just back at Temple waiting for these two weeks of online classes to wrap up and get ready for some Temple hockey in the spring semester. This is definitely one of my favorite times of the year um, when you get to come back early on campus and there's no classes and it's just hanging with the guys, practicing in the morning, practicing in the afternoon, getting after it. It's just like you kind of feel like a pro hockey player for a little bit because all you're doing is playing hockey and uh, hanging out with the guys, so it's fun. And when classes come around, it's a little tough to make that transition. Herm, you've, you've stayed busy over the break. How did you spend? Uh, it was your first Christmas and, and, and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Had a really good time. Spent it out in Breezy Point with family. Had a wonderful Christmas dinner. Got to spend New Year's in Bingo with Fitz and Harks. I can proudly say that I watched the ball drop in the middle of a TGI Fridays in the middle of nowhere. Nobody else in the restaurant, the four of us in a corner table in the back, enjoying some drinks and having a great time with the boys. It was just one of those like key life experiences where you look back and you're like, people are partying in Times Square and I'm in bingo right now and I fucking love it. Like it was, it was incredible. It was the best time and Fitz took incredible care of me because I was an idiot and took my flu shot and covid booster the day before i went up and felt awful awful the whole time i was up there and fitz made sure that i stayed alive through the night basically i cannot thank him enough for his incredible hospitality so fitz good luck's on you buddy yeah herm had his uh his michael jordan flu game for the uh the black bears got some awesome shots for us and that was the first time i got to meet herm in person so it was kind of funny i, I meet herm in person before i meet glick and murph in person same here <laughs> that was me picking up Herman at the bus station in Syracuse. Herm, is that like the Arnold Palmer, you know, way like getting both shots like half and half at the same time? I don't recommend it. Uh, no, <laughs> Arnold Palmer's taste good. Uh, that was not a good combo by any means. Would not recommend it. Space it out and do it over a weekend where you can stay in bed because that sucked. I spent the weekend traveling to Syracuse. I went down, visited my brother who works for the Merrimack College hockey team. Uh, we saw them play Bentley on Saturday night, and then I stayed in a hotel, picked up my guy, George Haywood. Uh, he's a freshman on the team here at Cuse. Picked him up in Chumsford, Mass., home of Jack Eichel. Uh, we joked that Woody is the second best hockey product out of Chumsford, Mass. Picked him up. We drove through an ice storm all the way from Mass to about Utica and then it was safe travels from there on out like I said excited to really be back it is so entertaining usually all the rookies stay at the house Herm's been here we I mean we got a lot of room we don't have that much room for 18 underclassmen to stay here while they're locked out of their dorms for the time being but no worries the rookies were proactive and they purchased an Airbnb together and they are living downtown and we've checked out the place a couple nights ago for the national championship they got quite the spot there I wish I 
had a camera crew in there for the week because that's just got to be entertaining. You got like Tony Larkins running around playing pump it up the whole time, like and just screaming his head off like a lunatic and waking everybody up at 630. So everyone gets to practice on time. But no, it, it's it's good to be back as always covering all the latest news in the ACHA. We tried something new last week. Fitz and I predicted some scores, which um, I think we had a good time doing. It gave us a reason to, you know, check in on some games. I know I was watching the New Mexico game on, on one of the nights and uh they brought home the dub that night and split with Air Force. Uh, so Fitz, you were you were correct on that one. I think I ended up being correct on um, what was it? I said that Minot State was going to go three and zero on their trip to Arizona. They did that as well. Bouncing back to uh, the UNM Air Force game, Murph, do you want me to talk about the little announcer thing? Oh yeah, that was great. So like I'm watching the stream on my personal Gmail, and then I see like Herm comments from the Hockey House. Hockey House checking in. They they did a great job on the broadcast, and they were giving shout. Shout out to everybody on the broadcast. Uh, you know, you'd say what city you were watching from, and they'd give you a shout out on the stream. And then Herm was able to catch this one. They gave a shout out to Mike Hunt from Anchorage, Alaska. You could hear, because I, I went back and clipped it, one of the announcers like leaned away from the microphone and was like, dude. Are you serious right now? And the other announcer clearly had no idea what he just said. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Hunt. Um, I thought the interesting thing about that broadcast, term, I felt like there wasn't a play-by-play guy and a color guy. It was just two guys doing play-by-play alternating like every couple minutes. Yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic. I haven't seen that on a broadcast before or anything like that. And, and they made it work and they did they did a phenomenal job of doing so. And I can't really remember some of the other predictions. We, we were way off on, on some of them because we had a, a game get canceled that we had scores for. And then we were a week early for the Savannah Classic, which we'll get to later on in the show. What about BYU? BYU got swept this weekend. Ah, the dog is 0-2. The puppy power. Come on. Hockey house dump for the puppy. We had one other announcing fiasco too, and that was in the uh, D2 Maryville game. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy doing the play-by-play said something and then nobody responded, and I guess his cameraman and the color guy were both on their phones. What, what did he say after that? He said something about him being on their phones, and one of them was like, got to whip it out referring to his phone, and the other guy was like, whoa, whoa. Like, and it was... <laughs> It was a good little innuendo. Yes. Okay. I, I knew it was something re- regarding the crotch area and something about whipping out a phone. I couldn't put put the two and two together, but another great clip. One live stream that I know had a tough time this weekend because of the conditions uh, was the Oregon live stream. The first night of the series, uh, I believe they corrected it the second night. Oregon swept Boise State outside this weekend. The Ducks hosted the Broncos at the Pavilion in Bend, Oregon in front of a sold out crowd both nights. The Ducks won seven to four and nine to six. So some real barn burner games it was really great to see they sold 500 tickets for both nights i believe like they had a a brewery sponsoring the games they had drinks for people it was outside the rink had no walls but it had a roof so it was that kind of style it was awesome to see guys wearing eye black we had guys wearing sunglasses in the warm-up really cool then we also had some media coverage from ali osborne who did a really really phenomenal job recapping the entire weekend i highly recommend that you check out that article uh should be on the university of oregon twitter account 
Yeah, no, that was a great article, and they gave her a huge shout-out on, on their Instagram story. We also had another sweep. UCO swept Iowa State, 6 nothing score on Friday night, followed by a 4-3 win in overtime on Saturday. The Bronchos handed the Cyclones two losses this weekend, and that matches the first semester total for the Cyclones, who only lost two in the first semester. So some big wins for the Bronchos to get things kicked off in the first semester. Uh, another sweep newsworthy was Stony Brook handled Delaware. Delaware swept Stony Brook on home ice to end the first semester and then these two teams met on Long Island to kick off the second semester. The Seawolves returned the favor to the Blue Hens and second semester transfer Matt Minerva from Salem State had two goals in Sunday's 4-1 win. Sigh of relief from my part watching that game and seeing the D3 transfers on Stony Brook and being glad that I don't have to skate against them <laughs> for the rest of the season having already played the Seawolves four times now. But the CHF announced their plans for a postseason in a statement uh, today, as we're recording this on Wednesday, in a statement from the chairman, the national tournament for the Federation Cup will take place at Iceline in Westchester, Pennsylvania, the same site that it took place in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. The national tournament will start on Tuesday, March 18th with a gold and bronze medal game taking place on Sunday, March 23rd. Um, so that's cool. That, you know, something that we don't see it in the ACHA national tournament, but they're doing a, a bronze medal game, which will be exciting. And, you know, I'm sure those teams will will be thankful to play on Sunday, you know, late in March. Some more action worth noting. UNLV is going to jump back into their season this weekend. They are riding a 12-game winning streak. They're going to take on the Jimmies this weekend. But again, the, the Rebels just can't buy a spot in the top five, it seems like. Or no, they, they are ranked fifth, but they dropped a place, correct, Herm? Yes, the, the Rebels. Rebels were ranked fourth. They dropped down to fifth after not playing last weekend. But, you know, don't sleep on the Rebels. That's that's all I have to say. I know Herm can vouch for that after seeing them in person and what they did at the Chicago Classic. As I said to Flanny, I will defend the Rebels until I'm out of breath and blue in the face. Those guys in Vegas are good. Really, really good. In women's action last weekend, UMass's ACHA Division One team traveled down to Arizona. They battled some travel issues, but were able to beat ASU the first night. Uh, they lost a nail-biter the second night, and then they finished off the road trip with a win against GCU. The UMass women were ranked number six in the last women's Division One ranking. The exciting news that we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, we have a new sponsor which we are very, very excited about. They have ties to the ACHA, just like all of us and all of you guys listening. This is a company that we're so excited to work with because they kind of share the same goal as us and looking to spread awareness and legitimize the product that we love to cover. And that is OptumX Sports. They provide the opportunity to build and manage your own website. The best part about it is that you can do this for free in your first year. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. This is something that we've all tested out. They have a great system. I would kind of relate it to the way I've been explaining to people is it's kind of like Wix, but for sports teams. It's a it's a website engine where you go on, they make it really easy for you. Unlike other websites that aren't tailored towards sports teams, this is very user-friendly um, and, and you can go on and, and customize whatever you'd like. And the, and the best part is if, if you're not sure about it, one, your first year is free. And two, if you want to check it out and see what your website could look like, they have a template, kind of a customizer that you can go on their website, submit your team colors and a logo, and it'll show you what your website could look like. Fitzy, if you want to kind of chime in, I know you have a connection with OptumX and, and 
it's one worth noting because, like I said, they have tremendous ties to the ACHA. Yeah, one of the the co-founders, Jonathan Schubauer, I went to Indiana University with them, played two years there with them. Nothing but great things to say about Shuey. One of the smartest guys I met, you know, during my time there. And he's one of those guys that uh, on the ice, he'll he'll do whatever whatever the team needs, you know, block a shot, uh, lay a big hit. Just one of those good locker room guys that uh, you love being around. So great guy. Nothing but good things to say about him. And then Herm, from a media perspective, you and I both know like this is a very user-friendly web design. I kind of compared it to, it's like an NHL when you start customizing a team and you have the different arenas to choose from, you enter in the colors. It is just that easy. What are your thoughts from a media perspective? on Optimax. I went into depth picking Shuey's brain from a back-end perspective, and every single question that I had, Shuey either had a tangible answer for me for, or it was in the works. I gotta say, the ease of use is phenomenal. They did such a great job building the interface in terms of making it accessible, in terms of taking care of like those pesky web admin stuff and losing passwords and things being a nightmare on the back-end. Optimax is going to solve your problems if you're having problems with your website take a look yeah and even if you're a team in division one acha and you have a media team who handles your website this is still going to work for you and then for those guys at the bottom who are the club president secretary treasurer and team captain who are wearing many hats and you're looking for an easier way to organize your website these are the guys to do it with and i would recommend jumping on the bandwagon sooner rather than later because these guys know what they're doing and i'm sure plenty of teams are going to join optimex so we have a nice little link for you guys if you're interested in in signing up you can go to optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod optimex sports that's o p t i m x sports dot com slash sign up slash hockey house pod use that link as our referral code like i said we are very excited to be teaming up with them going forward i know i mentioned it a little bit earlier but a, a number of the games that we had talked about last weekend ended up being postponed i think that is a combination of of travel issues right now during the current climate as well as weather issues that are going on you see in january with snow falling in, in many parts of the country and then of course i'm not going to say the word because herm gets really upset when he's editing and and he sees the the c word in there but i would have to assume that a lot of universities are cracking down on restrictions right now as they head back into the second semester as students come back to campus. But um, something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we want as many games to happen this semester as possible. So, you know, we just want to wish everyone a safe and healthy second semester moving forward. And, and like I said, hoping guys get to play all the available games on their schedule. And now time for our favorite part of the show where we get to interview folks and, and what most of you tune in for. Uh, we had a very unique guest this week. It's not often that we have non-players join the show. Uh, we were very happy to have met and talked with Zach Franz this past week he is currently working for the savannah bananas in their entertainment department he started his sports career with the unlv rebels uh ended up going on to work for the golden knights before he traveled back or he before he traveled to the east coast where he currently resides in savannah georgia uh, but he had an awesome perspective for any guys listening who want to work in the sports industry, for any guys working and helping with their media teams. He had awesome perspectives and kind of just really, you know, that culture that they have with the Savannah Bananas. And it's no shock 
that Zach is working for them. If just listening to how he talks. Um, so we are really excited and, and we had a blast talking to him earlier in the week. So without further ado, we're going to turn it over to that interview now with Zach Frangelo. We're pleased to be joined by former Vegas Golden Knights performer, stage manager, and member of the Ice Crew and UNLV Hockey Entertainment Director. Now the Director of Entertainment for the Savannah Bananas, Zach Frangelo. Zach, welcome to the Hockey House. We're happy to have you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. You have a a really interesting path, I think, to the ACHA. We have a lot of guys on and we don't typically have non-players on you're probably the third or fourth non-player we've ever had but i think you have a really cool story uh, and it's worth sharing on our platform we're really excited obviously you coming live from grayson stadium in savannah georgia right now is is a plus for those of you guys who don't know if you don't know who the savannah bananas are you've probably been living under a rock for <laughs> the past couple of years that's how i'd say it i know i'm a big fan fitz is a big fan too because he loves baseball zach walk us through through how you got involved with the ACHA. Let's start there. Yeah, so I started with the ACHA actually before even the Vegas Golden Knights were a thought, basically. Uh, So I started with UNLV pretty early. I had been playing hockey my entire life. I was not good, but I enjoyed playing and I enjoyed the energy of hockey. That's what got me involved in the first place. I knew UNLV hockey. I knew some of the guys. I basically went to the head coach and I was just like, hey, I want to be involved. I don't know how. I don't know what you need. I'll take tickets. I'll do whatever you need. Well, their DJ for their first game was like an inner inner squad game. Their DJ didn't show up. And so I was like, oh, I know music. I can play some music. So they set me up with a Spotify and said, figure it out. You know, knowing knowing entertainment from from the sports world in the past, I knew it had to be upbeat, fun music. And I played a different song every stop, even through Spotify. And they came back. They're like, that was the best music we've ever had. Can you be back next week? And I was like, yeah, you got it. Absolutely. So they ended up like giving me the job over the guy that's been doing it for like four years before I did. But just because I did something different, they were, they were like, yes, absolutely. You can do it. So I did that. The PA guy didn't show up the next week. So I did both. And they were like, wow, you can just do all of these things. I said, yeah, I will do that basically. So I turned PA and DJ. From there, it just kind of grew. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, I want to say, started the next year. Joined that team, kind of learned the ins and outs of the entertainment world and, and how to uh, maximize the experience. Over that time, man, we, we took the UNLV hockey experience game day wise to an all new level. Just better music, better announcements, you know, usage of light boards and sound equipment and just took it to the extreme that you have basically in Vegas and trying to make it as entertaining as a Vegas Golden Knights game with a limited budget. So that's kind of how I got involved with it at first. And it was, it really was just like a, Hey, I'll take tickets if you need it. I'm curious now, I grew up doing the music for like my older brother's high school games. And I remember just being a little kid in the box playing songs off CDs. What's your like go-to stadium anthem to get the crowd going? Tremor. Always. Tremor. You know what? It's either that or the hum. The hum has always been a staple for us. And and especially now I've used it here in Savannah. We use it in at the Golden Knights. We used it at UNLV. But the hum was a big one. We use that at pretty much any big moment in the third period. It's part of our warmups. But that song is just so electric and the bass hits nice. Everything with stadium sound. It's so clean and so crisp. It's awesome. I like that because, well, Tremor is like the go-to song at the hockey house if we have a lot of people over and it's kind of dead. And if you're looking to get the place going crazy and you want to see the floorboards shake, Tremor's the song to go for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of those kinds of songs. We, I like to do more EDM than anything for hockey for, for the main purpose of that that itself. Just the energy matches the game a lot better than like hip-hop or pop for that matter or even rock. I mean, rock is 
pretty well known and has been used in hockey for such a long time. I think EDM is kind of taken control and I think it makes it a whole new ball game. I agree with that take too. I'm a big, big EDM guy in the locker room and in the warm-up mix. When you first started with UNLV hockey, what was your perception of the ACHA and maybe kind of growing up with a hockey background, did you know a lot about the ACHA or was UNLV your first introduction to it? So UNLV was my first introduction of the ACHA. And to be honest with you, like going through the process, it didn't really matter to me of what it was. I used to go to DU hockey games. Like we had season tickets to DU hockey games, you know, growing up around that. To be honest, I didn't see much of a difference. You know, when I went to my first UNLV hockey game, it was that high speed, high energy, just exciting hockey. And I really didn't see much of a difference. I I was just happy to be around it. You know, obviously it's it's a little bit bigger of a stadium over there at DU. But even still, like it it was just more, it it was exciting. It was fun. It was, it was hockey, you know, it's not, I didn't see too much of a difference from going to those DU games early. And when you were first introduced to UNLV Rebel Hockey, like you said, the Vegas Golden Knights were not even an idea yet, which means that City National Arena had not even been planned yet. Nope. Where was UNLV playing their home games? Fiesta Rancho. And the big draw to that arena, it has like the lights and the sounds fine and and it's okay, but they had dollar marks for like students. Obviously, they're in like a casino. It's off the strip. It's way out there. It's kind of one of those smaller hotel kind of things. And they have an ice rink in there. There's like one of two ice rinks that you could be at and that was the one that most of the home games were at and and like I said they had dollar marks so obviously the students are there in a heartbeat because they're strong and you can get like 10 of them and just be absolutely obliterated by the end of the game so that's what made those games so fun was that the student involvement was just absurd and you know you're looking down it's kind of like a a shelf a bleacher system so that you have like the locker rooms on the main level and then there's a shelf and then that's where all the seating is and so you just have students yelling down onto the ice literally and then as they're going into their locker rooms you have them yelling at the opposing team just straight down it was it was so fun so fun just a bunch of drunk delinquents basically running around amok with dollar marks love that that's like a perfect acha environment and before i turn things over to fitz and glick to throw some questions at you just curious we, we asked all of our guests this like what's your welcome to the acha moment and for a lot of players it's something like i don't know getting hit on their first shift or mm-hmm. bus breaking down or realizing that you don't have a locker room like what was your welcome to the acha moment when you took over as dj and mc so i don't think i really had one of those until you know, Vegas was around and we started at City National. The first time that we ever used the video board that we have there, we utilized that. I did the video for all of that. Like I kind of took control of the whole thing. This was before our our insane marketing department that we have now there is who are just incredible. But I kind of took control of that, did a video. And the first time we played it and did like a full show, we turned off the lights, played the video, had the sound, had smoke, had the whole thing. And just that moment from where I started from with just doing music and and PA to where it is now with just the insane show that it is. I think that was like the most rewarding. And I would say that's probably the welcome to the ACHA moment. But as for like the ice itself, it was definitely a Kane's goalie fight when he jumped off the bench and just fought the goalie. I was calling the show from the box and I, I watched the whole thing happen. I'm listening to the refs over here. So my ears pressed up against the glass. And then all of a sudden I see it happen. It was so funny. It was unreal so we didn't even have the hockey house when that happened but it was my freshman year and i had kind of like i liked seeing what was going on around the league and that was like the first like kind of viral clip that we found and stored away it's just like so absurd like that game as a whole was was nuts yeah i think that final sheet like the score sheet i think it was three pages it was one of the longest ones we've ever had 
for sure. I want because I was usually the one that turned those over to the league after the after the games and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was long. It was like three pages. Once again, Zach, thanks thanks for coming on. Uh, I know we've been psyched about this interview for a while. I got to give a quick shout out to my mom because she's a big fan of the the Savannah Bananas, so she's gonna be happy to to listen to this one. I love that. But, um, <laughs> absolutely. Tell us a little more just about the the creative process for UNLV hockey. I, I know you just mentioned like it's it's come so far to to where you started. Uh, just tell us a little more about the creative process. Yeah. So originally it was myself and then the team president and you know just kind of taking what we were doing with the Golden Knights and putting it to work with UNLV hockey. That was kind of how I got to where I am now, if that makes sense. Um, it was, I didn't really have as many opportunities with VGK to like really go out there and test stuff. I did have the opportunity to listen and take in everything that I was learning with VGK and implement it with UNLV. So that's kind of how that started. And then as we got bigger, Dallas, Dallas Creel, he is one of the most creative people I I've ever met. He's unbelievably creative. He came in and just completely changed the program on the creative side, director of social media, I guess. So he runs all of the social platforms and all that kind of stuff. And he has a great team of people behind him. And so the creative process, once he came involved was how can we utilize the social media side and the entertainment side to make it an awesome fan experience to get more students involved for the people that have been coming to UNLV hockey games for years. How do we make that so it's fun for all of those people? We created this the system that just turned out to work perfectly for what we were looking to do. And so it's a lot of bouncing ideas off of each other. And then he also works in the Vegas Golden Knights organization as well. He kind of started to do the same thing. It's like, take up all the information that you can at the professional level with people who are more talented and, you know, have done this for years. Don't be afraid to go try it at the UNLV level. Like, wh why not? There's no red tape there. We can kind of do what we want, try what we want. And if it sucks, it sucks. That's that's as blank as it is. And, and you know, you either try it again or you scrap it. Tell us a little bit about the thought process for your Jersey Unveil video guys released this past year. I mean, it went absolutely viral when it came out. And I know all of my teammates, they were all like, we got to do something like this. So I just love to hear the thought process behind just coming up with that. Vegas is Vegas. So we kind of have a lot of different areas and, and cool things to our disposal. And so we just kind of went through places that we had been we went through the places that we had been he had gone to the, it's like a it's at the luxor and it's a it's like a gaming building so it's it's where a club used to be but it's all just you know monitors and any system you could ever ask for and they have like huge events there but they have this hallway that it has those led lights that are around it and you can program them to be whatever they are whatever you want so we started there once we got to that idea is when it started to transform into what else can we do? Obviously, we're doing this around uh, Christmas time and the Cosmopolitan does the ice uh, ice rink up on top of the Cosmo every year. So it was really easy to get, in they're one of our sponsors. So it was really easy to get in contact with them and be like, we want to film a video up here. And then we did that. We, you know, They were great. They shut down the whole thing. So nobody even saw the jerseys that were up there. And then there's a new, it's like a new exhibit, I would say. It's called uh, Area 51, Area 15. Area 51 is the aliens. Area 15 has a whole bunch of like different art installations. And I have a really good friend who's the manager of what's called Museum Fiasco. And Museum Fiasco is this, Lightroom. It's it's literally like 30 beams and it all has lights, LED lights on it that 
are all synced up track of music that's just ridiculous. It's loud. It's booming. They have a smoke machine in there. And then it's just mirrors everywhere. And you walk in there and it's just some of the most, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And as, as I'm watching this video, as we start to film some of this stuff and we start to get it off the ground, I'm like, we need to go there. And so we went in the museum fiasco before the doors even opened. And we actually took their blades out of their skates so they didn't damage them or anything like that. And they're walking around this building. They're full, uh, full uniform. We walk in there and we just start getting shots after shots and, and eventually we got to a point where we're like we should do like player headshots in here next year and uh, obviously that didn't come true but that's kind of how we started that process and then Dallas and his team took it over from there I was just more of part of the um, stationing and getting people in the spot and figuring out the best way that it's going to look and kind of directing this from the from the sidelines there talk about like kid in a candy store I know like in terms of like looking for stuff to inspire you on a creative level like Vegas is the place right like you could you could have gone to 10 different locations and come up with 10 different shots because there's just so much to do in Vegas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, during the quarantine, I know a lot of the guys that were in town, they would just put on their blades and skate and go for hours at a time. They would just take off and go down the strip. And, and at that point, like nobody's driving. So the strip was actually closed off. So you could go down the street. So you have like this prime real estate of just blading down the Vegas Strip, which like you're never, ever going to be able to do that ever again. Like that is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it's exactly what you said. You're, you know, you're at the center of this creative mecca of just things that you can go see. You can go see shows. You can go see concerts. EDC is there. So many different things. How do you hone in on each one? And that's kind of like you said, get in a candy store, throw a ball and it hits something and you can figure out a way to be inspired by it. And I think that UNLV and, and Dallas and his team are starting to really just like perfect that and just try to to really show it for what it is. Shifting over to uh, how you got involved with the Golden Knights, when it gets announced that Vegas is going to get a team and it's finally going to happen, because I feel like for years everyone knew that the 31st team was going to be Vegas. You just had that idea. When Vegas finally gets a team, like, were you guys there like, oh, like, this is going to be a hit in Vegas. Like, we've seen what with Rebel Hockey, like, people love it here. Like, Vegas can be a hockey town. It was known that Vegas was going to be the, the team, but nobody really knew how in-depth the hockey hockey community was before Vegas was actually there. And I think it was really underestimated from for a long time. You know, there there's two ice rinks there for years and there, you know, kids programs, people growing up. Jason Zucker is from Vegas, so he grew up playing there. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of guys that are coming out of Vegas or I not a lot, I'd say a couple, but that just shows how long it's been that it's been a, you know, a hockey community. You get that pro team and everybody jumps on board and then obviously, you know, the tragedy that happens with, you know, Route Route 91, people wanted something to cheer for. That's why the team, I believe, became so successful at the time that the city was at its lowest point. Like I've never I've never been a part of something even remotely close to that. The moment that the puck dropped on, I think it was like October, like whenever the first game was at it at home, whenever the puck dropped, that city was connected via the Vegas Golden Knights. That's what rocketed it to be what it is today. You know, just an awesome fan base that's just unbelievably crazy and loud the buildings rocking that all stemmed from the sense of community that had been built in the past before vegas was there the, the golden knights were there and then you know something terrible happened and everybody wanted a reason to smile they wanted a reason to cheer they wanted three hours to get away from what was going on the vegas golden knights became that and that's why it's turned into such a success story over the years was because of how tight the hockey community is now how did you get uh involved with the golden knights and what was your role with the team it was a lot of the same with UNLV it was like I just want to be involved I don't know how exactly it's gonna happen but I would just like to be in the door one of my buddies sent me a uh, ice crew and promo team 
audition form. They're like, hey, they're doing tryouts. You played hockey. Why don't you try out? I was like, yeah, that sounds perfect. So I went to the audition, tried out, everything went well, got on to the promo team and the ice crew. So I was like one of the hybrid people that could do both. The first game happens and it was the first preseason game, actually. They had the whole promo team, but they didn't have any. They had like one person to set up all the promotions and they would have just been running around like a chicken with their head cut off the entire time. Like no shot. One person can do that job. And so they asked all the guys. There's like four of us. They're like, hey, we need more people to just kind of set things up. You guys are doing it. Figure it out. They didn't give us any training. They were just like, pick contestants, put them in the right spot, and we'll figure it out from there. And from that day on, we just continued that role. Uh, So we went through the full first year just being stage managers and being more on that production side of it as opposed to being faces in the crowd. You know, because originally us four, we were supposed to be like almost like cheerleaders, like what they are now. Obviously, if you look back at that first year, there's no guys there in the in that cheer you know, or in the promo team side, because we just kind of went into the stage management role and said, this is what we're going to do. And then year two comes around and then they finally are like, all right, this is you guys are just going to be the stage managers. Don't worry about the other side. And that's kind of how that role was created. And that's how, you know, the sports entertainment and, you know, drive to be in sports entertainment came to be. So the Las Vegas Golden Knights are very well known for their in-between periods before the games, their massive shows. And you got a chance to actually participate in one. You know, you were the quote-unquote villain donning the Los Angeles Kings jersey. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to experience that. Yeah, so basically how it was going, and this was right before um, the home opener. Originally, they had this big show planned, and then Room 91 happened, and that all changed. But the second game, I, I get an email from the, the lead producer, and she says, hey, we're looking, we need all the ice crew guys at the stadium tomorrow for rehearsal. You'll figure out more about it in, in the future. And I was like, great, I'll be involved. Showed up. The first thing she says is, uh, Zach, you're going to be, you You have the performing experience. Uh, you're going to be the bad guy. And I'm like, don't know what that means, but I'm in. And how it started was, all right, you're going to skate out there and, you know, wave the flag around and then you're going to, you're going to fight the night. He's going to win and you're going to lose. Great. Did that all year. And, you know, we had switched it up with each flag and making it specific to each team. It was awesome. And it, and it got really good publicity. It did really well for a long time. And then playoffs started. They were like, we're not just going to, we have to take it to the next level. Like, we're not going to sit back and, and do the same thing that we've done for all these games. Like, we're Vegas. We're in the playoffs in the first year. Let's show the world what Vegas is about. And so that's when, you know, you start to get these different sort of acts that are happening. Uh, so the first one with the Kings, where you have all the the Western Division teams that are circled out by fire, come out, fight the night again, and all that kind of stuff. So I had done it the entire year, and they easily could have just went like, hey, we found we found this professional that's going to do it now. Like, you did your job. They've, they trusted me to do it, which, again, wild that they would do that. Um, as we keep going, they're like, we have to keep making it better i'll never forget it when we just we'd already beaten the the sharks and we were waiting to see who we were going to play in the western conference finals and i was talking with johnny greco he was the the vice president of entertainment i I sent him a message i was like if we play the jets i'll fly and he said what i said i'll fly if you want like i don't know how but i'll fly he's like i'll keep that in mind and i sent him once once winnipeg won i sent him a gif of archer coming down like do you know the tv show archer where he's coming down like from a string into a vault we had that rehearsal and they got me in a fly suit and they put a harness on me and said, you're going up. And I was like, perfect. This is awesome. And thank God I don't have a fear of heights. And that's what happened. And they, they, they harnessed me up the first time we did it. They set me up and they went pretty slow the first time. I think we were only going about 10 feet per second all the way up into the rafters and then sitting on the beam up there and then bring me back down. And then we started rehearsals with doing the show of it and how we're going to make it all work. But it was just unbelievable that they allowed you know, me to be a part of that 
process for the long time. And then obviously it built on from there of coming down with the Capitals. And then the next year in the playoffs doing the same thing. I did it for all four years that I was there. I remember it was uh, the year of the uh, the comeback from the Sharks. It was like game three. I never had like a real sword. It was like a hard plastic so it wouldn't snap but this one there wasn't any combat between me and the knight because we were playing the shark so i was kind of on an island and i made this like crack in the ice it like like via ice projections it was really really cool effect well i come out and the the first thing i do is i'm supposed to stab the ice and i have a real sword this is the first time they've ever given to me i take a chunk that's probably the size of a chicken sandwich just out of the ice and this is the playoffs this is like a big deal like george mcphee is sitting right there he sees it clear as day the camera's on me you can see it as clear as day i stab the ice and immediately i'm like oh shit i'm in trouble for this one pull back and i'm like Oh boy, this could go really poorly. I probably won't have a job tomorrow. Thank God. It was one of the games where we scored within like 30 seconds of the puck drop and it was on that side from that exact spot. So I was good. Even my boss came back to me later on the next for our next rehearsal and she said, yeah, George said, um, please don't ever do that again. And I said, I, I swear I won't stab the ice ever again. I promise. But that was uh, that was one of those weird moments of just like, oh, I, I'm in trouble. That's awesome. We're going to have to go check the tape on that one and see if the, if NBC picked up that footage before the game. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty confident you can see it. I hope that it's I, I know there for a fact there's a video of it somewhere where someone has the video on me and you can just see just a chunk just fly and it's not good. It was not good. It was really bad. Hearing those stories about your willingness to kind of be in any situation, it's no surprise where you've ended up. Kind of explain to us how you made the transition from being in Vegas to on the East Coast now. I was not a good hockey player ever. I played for fun. I played to stay out of shape, but I was a really good baseball player. And that's what actually got me to Vegas in the first place. I played baseball for a very, very long time, signed a D1 contract, was on a good track, and then concussions caught up to me and they saw changes in my MRIs and they were like, you can't play. Like you're, you're done at that point. That's kind of when UNLV started and that's when Vegas came in and that's kind of how that whole process started. And, and I fell in love with sports entertainment. You know, I, I fell in love with watching the crowd react to what was happening. That wasn't the sport itself that helmet the first time it comes down and you hear John Wick mode go in the background and you just see everybody's faces. You have kids like their eyes are as big as quarters, like they're lit up like nobody's business. People are rocking, they're cheering and it, the game's not even happening yet. Like I fell in love with that. I think everybody, and this is a lesson that I think I learned relatively early, which is kind of tough for some people, is that everybody has a shelf life. You know, eventually you're going to hit the limit in wherever you are. You know, that could be years. You could get a promotion and that's the next shelf life. But for me, there wasn't any movement with the Vegas Golden Knights. And so it was getting to that end point where I was like, I'm not going to go anywhere now. I, I was starting to have this conversation of like, all right, what do I do next? Like, who's going to take my application? What are we going to do? Jesse Cole, the owner of the Bananas, that next week sent me a video message. I, I didn't apply or anything like that. I didn't know what was going on. I, I kind of had an idea that he knew my name, but I didn't know to the extent. And basically he said, hey, I like talking to creative people. You know, I've seen what you've done with UNLV hockey. He specifically said UNLV hockey. Like I've seen what you've done with UNLV hockey, seen your performance ability with the Vegas Golden Knights. I like talking to creative people. Would love to just have a conversation and see, see where your mind's at. And so we start having a conversation. You know, it turns into them saying, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring you out for the tour. You're going to produce the first games on here in Savannah, and then we'll send you to Mobile and you can produce the games in Mobile. If that goes well, 
We'll keep you on for the CPL season. If the CPL goes well, we'll bring you on full time. Again, I was like, perfect. You know, if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it works out, great. It, it was an instant fit. I wasn't supposed to find out if I was staying on to the CPL season until after Mobile was done for our One City World Tour. And they told me the Monday after my first week in Savannah, like, hey, we want to bring you on for the CPL season. So don't worry about that. Like, you're not in a test anymore. Let's just nail Mobile and then we can go into the CPL and let's get you out here. And at that point, it became the decision of like, hey, it's it's time. You're either going and you're taking this leap of faith and you're going to the East Coast or you're going to stay and not go anywhere. That when you phrase it like that, you look at the pros and cons, it became so clear, like, this is what I want to do. And it gets me into baseball. And obviously, I knew who the Savannah Bananas were. I knew that they put major emphasis on the entertainment. It's like, this is a win-win, you know, be back in baseball and get to entertain. It, it, it was a no-brainer. And that's how I got here. And it's actually funny. There's people from UNLV and VGK that were the people that actually recommended me to Jesse now that I find out, you know, a couple of years later. So it's just kind of weird and cool how that those little connections work. And so once you get to Savannah, what is your like kind of first introduction with Jesse Cole and, and what is that like working under him? He's cracked the code. I don't know what it is necessarily about him specifically. He figured out perfect combination. You know, we're not in the business of baseball here. We're in the business of entertainment. You know, we're never going to be the New York Yankees. We're not going to have the spending of the Yankees. We're not going to have the spending of, uh, of a major league organization. But yet we're still going to figure out a way to get people in the building. And he figured that out from very early on. And so for me, it's a lot of like I was doing with Vegas and, and UNLV and, you know, taking what I was learning from VGK and implementing it in and just soaking it up as a sponge and putting it into UNLV. Little different here. I take everything he says and sponge it up and then produce it onto the field. So he's a creator and I'm a, an executor, basically. So my job is to take his creativity, put it into motion and figure figure out the ways to do that. And that's kind of that's kind of how our relationship was built. He's been unbelievable in teaching me about the creative side, how to create ideas, which is very difficult. Like I'll be honest, it's very difficult. We do uh, we do 10 ideas a day during the season, every day, 10 ideas, and we have a theme. So whether that be what we're doing in the dugout, what people are hearing as they're coming in the building, we do 10 ideas and make it a theme and make it very specific. So that way we can build on these ideas. And you know, maybe we have two good ideas, but if I have two and he has two, that's four ideas. And maybe I had a crap idea and he was like, well, maybe there's something there. What if we did it like this? And now we have more ideas that are just building. And so we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And it just creates this huge amount of opportunities to do stuff and to try stuff. And so my job is to take those ideas and put them into motion. He goes from there. And and, and it's just been unbelievable to see how his brain works. And it and like I said, it works a million miles an hour. So keeping up with it can be a little tough sometimes, but he he's just a gem and he's he's super good guy and and he loves it. He he loves it more than anything. Fitz, while we're on the topic of the bananas, you want to chime in? You got any questions? I got lots of questions about the banana. How did you guys pull off the the one where you had the 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 batter come up in stilts and he literally had a hole at bat on on stilts. How does that happen? So he showed up to the tryout. So a, a part of our tryout, and we're actually getting ready for it right now for our, for our next amount of tryouts for our pro team. We have people say like, you know, we look for baseball players, but we also look for entertainers. So if you have any other talent, singing, dancing, whatever, juggling, whatever it may be, tell us and put a video of it right here. He showed up in that video on stilts and he said, I played baseball. I can walk on stilts. Don't know what you can do with that. And Jesse responded and basically said, come to the tryout in stilts. And he did. And we put him in the cage and, and said, what can you do with this? He swung, he hit. The pitching was terrible at first just because he's 10 feet in the air and pitchers are not supposed to do that. So that's kind of how that 
started. And then the first thing was we just had him, at first we just had him go up to bat and we didn't really do anything with it. And then the next one was, all right, take it at bat and swing at a pitch. And Jesse specifically told him, hey, don't swing at the first pitch. We want you to like see a couple pitches. Of course, first pitch and he grounds out to first base. But still, just like that is how that kind of happened. And so we look for ideas from other areas like, you know, the circus and all that kind of stuff. And if someone says they're going to show up in stilts and play baseball, I'm going to put you on the field. Like, I, I don't care what the score is in some sort of way. I'm putting you in the game. That's phenomenal. The third baseman who was mic'd up and he literally says right before the play what's going to happen and then it happens. Tell us about that. Yep. So that's Bill Leroy. He's uh, he's a good buddy and he's actually part. We have two players on our full time staff here, uh, which is new. So we just started it. So they kind of run all of our camps and, you know, we're in this really awesome opportunity where we get to have players on our full time staff. But basically how that one works is during our broadcast, we'll always have people mic'd up. How that works, it's AirPods and, you know, on our TikToks, if you ever see someone in AirPods, I guarantee you go to the comments like, are they allowed to be wearing AirPods? And, and believe me, it's it's been a struggle to fight with the league about that, but it's, it's gotten a lot better now. He talks to Biko, he's our broadcast, and he's amazing. He's hilarious. They just have conversations throughout the game and they give different perspective throughout the game. So even while you're up to bat, Someone probably has AirPods on underneath their helmet and they're talking to Biko like, all right, so it's a 2-1 count. I'm sitting fastball right here. If it's not a fastball, I'm taking it. And then it happens. Never anything like that in the field, though, where it was like, hey, Biko, what's going to happen right here? It's a it's a 2-2 count. You know, it's going to be a curveball. He's going to two hop it. And then I'm going to uh, catch it on the second hop, Manny Machado over to first. And then boom, it happens immediately. That's like one of those one in a millions. You can never script that. I couldn't script that if I wanted to just because of how you know unknown baseball is. And it's literally like if someone were to have, you know, Zegers was mic'd up during that in the Michigan flip and he's like all right so I'm gonna go behind the goal flip it over the goal and then he's gonna baseball it in that was the equivalent of that and we're just like we're not hearing the broadcast from where I am like when I'm producing I'm not watching the broadcast but immediately he made the play and looked up to Biko and pointed at him and I knew something had just happened that was amazing like guaranteed it was something that happened I go inside I rewind the stream a little bit and I hear what just happened and I was like we need to get this out immediately so I, I told our marketing team what just happened and everything just exploded and it, it was unbelievable I was just gonna say it's got to be a, a dream for the marketing team to have something like that happen just handed to them on a silver platter oh my gosh man and and that's kind of what we've created here is that we just we keep produce it's i call it the circle of life and if you start for where i am each person is on this wheel basically and if we start where i'm at if i put myself at the top the entertainment team creates something marketing picks it up they post it to social media we make more fans and gain more fans that drives to them to merchandise they buy merchandise which buys tickets which sends it back to entertainment so they get entertained and it just creates this wheel cycle that we've created i can't do my job without the ticket team doing their damnedest and figuring out how to sell tickets and it's just this big circle and all of that so it's 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 a huge team effort there but when a moment like that happens unbelievably the marketing team was fired up everybody was fired up Biko was fired up Bill was fired up we're all just like that just happened like we're, we <laughs> someone has to acknowledge that this happened because if it didn't happen I'm gonna be really upset trivia question for Glick and Fitz do you know where Biko went to school the play-by-play -play guy for the Savannah Bananas I'm gonna guess Syracuse yep new house guy broadcasting school it's where they train him he talks about it all the time he loves Syracuse that's like the rule if if you went to new if you're in new house or went to new house you have to like tell everybody at least like five times a day <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm glad biko's doing that down there oh yeah absolutely 
talking about the circle that you were just describing how, you know, one video can lead to more merchandising sales and then more fans. Now you're getting more tickets and more people are following the accounts. I, one of the reasons I was excited, so excited to have you on is I think there's a lot to learn in the structure of the Savannah Bananas from an ACHA perspective. You know, if minor league baseball, minor league baseball is kind of like NCAA hockey. And then the ACHA is kind of like the wooden bat league. Like yep. it's its own thing. A lot of people don't know about it. What do you think college hockey teams in the ACHA could learn from the Savannah Banana model? I actually had a, a very interesting call and I'm really excited to do this. I'm actually going to South Carolina to watch one of their games out at their, at, at their facility just because one of their interns actually actually came and, and mentored uh, or watched a bananas game and ended up being able to chat with me for a little bit. And this is what I told them. And and it's not it's not private knowledge. Like, obviously, we tell everybody pretty much what we do because we want more people to do it. Be different. Every team needs to be different. We, the bananas, are not in the baseball game. We are in the entertainment business. Like I said earlier, we're never going to be the Yankees. We're never going to have the money of the Yankees. But we can entertain our fans better. That's, I think, where the ACHA needs to, to go. And I think the ACHA needs to do it. I think every team needs to do it. Create new ideas and be different. Don't try to be the Vegas Golden Knights. Don't try to be the Carolina Hurricanes. Don't try to be something that you're not because you're never going to be able to amount to what is going on at the NHL level. It's just impossible. They have so much money and they have so many resources at their disposal. Use what you have. Make your game entertainment the best it can be. Make it loud. Make it fun. Put in the funding to make it better. You, you'll start to see things change a little bit and then just continue to push fan first. Be for your fans. Don't try to think like, how are we going to sell the most, you know, the most tickets? How are we going to make the most money on our merchandise? Just be for your fans. Your fans are going to be what pushes you long term. That's really important. And that's what the code is here. It's be fans first. Fans first, entertain always. That's our motto. That's what we live by. That's what we you know, live, breathe, die by fans first, entertain always. So for the ACHA, be different. You know, some of the best videos that have ever happened for us are us doing things differently. Like we did, we used to do uh, pregame videos where it was like a locker room video. And we just had one that went crazy on uh, Facebook where they were just playing the, the old board game, Break the Ice. That's what they were doing in the locker room before the game. Like, that's crazy. You know, why, why is that going viral? But that's what it is. Be different. You know, hockey players sometimes are a little thick skulled. They stick to their routine. They're very like, this is the way I do it. This is the way the team is. But if you're not afraid to be different and to try something new, whether that be the marketing team or anybody like say, hey, and this is what I told to, to USC specifically was why not put all of them in a room and have them, you know, turn the lights off before the game and sing like Adele and then just record that because it's going to show a hockey player in a new, new light. People want to be relatable. People want to relate to them. Just doing these, you know, the, the classic pucks in deep, pucks in the net, like those answers, you, you hear them all the time, lose it. Do something different. Be different, be unique, and be yourself. Be authentic. Because there's guys in that locker room who are hilarious that nobody knows are hilarious. They've been trained over the years to just be the static hockey player. Be different, be fun, be engaging, and enjoy what you're doing. Because, you know, not a lot of people are going on to the next level, and that's okay, but enjoy it while you're there. You know, be the best you can be. And I think the, the really cool opportunity with the ACHA is, you know, if you went and worked for your school's athletic department and you interned with the football team or the basketball team, like you've got like paid adults basically telling you what to do and what your role is. Mm -hmm. The ACHA, there's almost 
very little rules when it comes to what you can and can't do in terms of fan entertainment. I mean, we, we see it all the time throughout the league. Like, you know, we see Liberty's playing their games at midnight. Like if, if Liberty was NCAA, who knows if they're allowed to play every home game at midnight. Certain things we see, and, and you look at South Carolina talking about being different, like that's a school that was told, hey, you can't use the Varsity Athletics logo. Yeah. And they said, all right, fine. We're going to refer to ourselves as cock hockey. Mm-hmm. And that gets people's attention immediately then and they're different something different so i I think there is a lot to learn and and like i said uh one of the takeaways i got from jesse cole's book find your yellow tux was the comparison of like if you were like every minor league baseball team you couldn't do the things you were doing because they're under mlb contract you know like there are things you can do in the acha because you're not in an ncaa contract bingo You, you nailed it you nailed it that's the cool thing with the acha and i think that's why you're starting to see it pick up a lot is that you know it's not under the the NCAA rule, you know, and, and Jesse's told me from the start and, and people have reached out in the past for over the past year, I had like three offers to go to pro teams and go be the go chain, go be the entertainment director for these different teams. One of them full transparency was the Houston Astros. Every person in their right mind takes that job, right? You're an idiot if you don't. This is exactly what they're going to do. I'm going to walk in the door for the first day. They're going to hand me keys and they're going to hand me a binder. And in that binder, it's going to say, here are all of our sponsorships. This is everything that we've done in the past. Do it like that. That sounds terrible. That sounds awful. I would hate that, you know, because now I'm not even I'm not even getting to be creative. I have to go execute someone else's vision. And honestly, I'm probably executing visions of the companies that are the sponsorships who are not paid to be creative. They're paid to sell sponsorships, but they're telling the teams what to do. And that's why you see puck shuffles. That's why you see the baseball under the hat. That's why you see the same games over and over. It's because non-creative people are doing the exact same thing. So bringing that all back, why in the world would we try to do something that has been done a hundred times that every fan has seen? We don't have a video board here. Like I said earlier, one of my my welcome to this show, ACHA moment was the minute that we used that video board. I learned why we don't have the video board here. It's because the minute that we lose someone to their iPhone is the minute that we've lost their attention. We, we're not entertaining them anymore. They're they're seeking it somewhere else. So only time we want to see one of these is if they're going up to film it to show to their friends of social currency and saying, oh my gosh, look what I is, what's happening in front of me at this baseball game. That can happen at the ACHA level, you know? And I, I, I want someone to do it. I've given the idea to multiple teams. I said, next year for Christmas, take four of your guys and early in the year, tell them they're going to do this. And around Christmas time, have them go out during intermission after the Zamboni is done and do the Mean Girls dance. I guarantee you that goes viral. I guarantee you that has 15 million views tomorrow in front of a live crowd. It's on Spit and Chicklets instantly. TSN is going to repost it. ESPN, now that they have hockey, is going to repost it. Yep, it's it's not hard to do. You take four guys that are exciting and funny and, and want to do something different and you put them out there and say, have fun. Just have fun with it. And I guarantee you, you're going to have 30 snap that those four guys are going to get added on Snapchat by by 100 girls that are in the crowd. I guarantee it. That is crazy. But that's the kind of thinking that the ACHA should go towards of being different, allowing people to do more fun things and using the lack of, you know, tied to the university at your own advantage. 
just use it. Why wouldn't you? If there's no red tape, why would you ever give yourself limits? I think that's very well said. I hope all the teams listening to that took notes. Uh, we'll have our eyes peeled come Christmas time next year. That's for sure. You know, transitioning back to hockey, Savannah has gotten an, a pro sports team. What is your role in that? And what is it going to be like having a second team in town? Yeah, so really excited. We've got uh, the ECHL coming, which that fires me up because the ECHL is basically the epitome of just beat the crap out of each other the entire time. And it's fun hockey. It's back and forth. A lot of scoring, a lot of fights. It's It's fun. You know, I, I'm really excited to, I, I'm Snake Peak trying to be involved. And Jesse knows that I want to be involved with that. He made the connections early. He said, as long as you don't go there and you leave us for them, I'm fine. Do what you want. You can figure it out. And I was like, perfect. I'm not going anywhere. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. But I would love to be a part of their, uh, you know, their creation process. And we're starting to work towards that a little bit more. They, they're coming into a market that is still going to, they're going to expect the entertainment value to be high. Another hockey team coming in is going to struggle because what the bananas have done long term. I mean, baseball didn't work here for years. And now that hockey is coming here, I'm fired up. You know, I, I'm really excited. And my goal eventually is to to get back to hockey, to get back to hockey at the NHL level, because I think hockey is the most entertaining. And I think there's the most room to be creative as an entertainer when it comes to hockey, as opposed to baseball or any other sport. So that's like my long term goal with the ECHL coming. I think that this community is going to buy in relatively quickly to hockey in, in Vegas. They had ice rinks and, you know, kids played hockey. They played ice hockey. That's not here. This will be the first glimpse of hockey for these people. They're going to fall in love with it immediately. They're also going to have an expectation to be entertained. And so that's where I think I'll be joining in and I'll try to be an advisor of some sort um, because their hockey season starts right when our season ends. They start in October, I want to say, or August or October, and our season ends in August. So in theory, I'll hopefully I'll be, uh, I'll be advising their entertainment and trying to help out as best I can to help build the program. And then once they get their feet running, kind of push back from there. This city this city's going to fall in love with hockey and you know we have a we have a classic coming like the Savannah Classic. Uh I want to say it's ACHA teams that are coming this next week. ACHA or, yeah. Yep, next weekend. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be there. I'm going to be at those games as well. We're fired up to have it. It's going to be CHF teams. A lot of the teams in the South moved from the ACHA to the College Hockey Federation. That's uh, Florida State, Georgia, Florida, and Georgia Tech. But I think they got off to the right start. I mean, a lot of people didn't like the Bananas name when it came out. I think Ghost Pirates is a killer name. The logo is sick, too. I'm fired up for that. Again, it's the same thing. On Twitter, everybody's pissed off about the name. You can name it the perfect thing in the world, and people are going to be mad about it. You know, ignore the noise. Let it grow. And I mean, like like we were talking about before we even started recording, how this place is just absolutely haunted. Savannah is one of the oldest cities in the, in the country. It's haunted to hell. Like, it's unbelievably haunted. We're one of the largest shipping ports in the country, and they have pirate history. It makes sense. You know, ghost pirates. And I think on the entertainment side, you can do so much. And my one of my favorite color combos is that lime green and black. Like, that color combination, I think, is so sick. They're going to find some pretty cool success with using that name. You know, you can go to the ghost side or you can go to the pirate side and still be right. I think they nailed it. I know I, I kind of asked it earlier and, and what was the expectation going into pro hockey coming to Vegas, but I think at least outside of the Vegas hockey community, if you had told me how successful UNLV would still be, how successful the Golden Knights would be, and how successful the Henderson Silver Knights would be, I would tell you that you're crazy. Like, There's no way a city that's never had hockey is all of a sudden going to have three really competitive hockey teams. Looking at it now, the writing is clearly on the wall that UNLV is going to make that jump someday. What are your thoughts on that? How excited are you for Vegas hockey to continue to grow? That's That's been the goal 
since day one with that team. You know, they got their first D1 game next year. That's a huge step. And that's something that that program has been fighting for for a long time. It's, it's going to be a huge, huge night. And I'm actually planning on being there for those nights to help produce. That's kind of part of my plan is to be a part of that in any way, shape or form. It makes me nervous. I'll be honest, makes me nervous because, you know, they are so successful in the ACHA and they've done everything right. And they've done, they've gone through the years, they've built a program that works so well. And obviously everybody wants to jump to that next NCAA level. But what worries me is UNLV. I am not a fan of UNLV and what they do and how they run their sports teams and how they've done things through the past. Greener and Knickerbone, the two head coaches, and they run pretty much everything there, have done everything right since day one. They've made the right steps. They've recruited the right guys. They've gone through the process. They understand why Vegas hockey is successful, and they've made it to what it is now to that point where they are going to compete against that D1 program, and they're going to make that jump to the D1 level eventually. I don't want them to lose that because UNLV has other plans, if that makes sense. What they've done so far is so good and on the right track that them losing it to an athletic director, like that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, it would, it would, it would be like if an MLB owner came and was like, hey, we'd like to make the Savannah Bananas our minor league team, and then they just bought the team for $600 million, and then you couldn't do the fun things you do. Right, and they, they, they hand me a binder. Exactly. It's the same thing, and I think that they, those guys know what they're doing, like they get it and they're going to get the right, they're going to do it the right way, but not being in it every on that day to day, you know, being in on it day to day process is a little scary, but it fires me up too, because those guys deserve it, man. They, they, they fight and they fight hard and they bust their ass more than anybody. I know those guys on that team, that UNLV hockey team, like those are some incredible guys they got over there just to, I mean, obviously you guys had Nick Flanders on early, still a good buddy of mine, still love talking to him. He's a big banana fan. So like th those guys deserve that next step. But I don't want UNLV to screw it up. That's where that's where my mind's at because those guys deserve it and they deserve it to be good and they deserve to compete at that high level. Don't go to that. Don't go to the NCAA just to say you can do it for the right reasons. And I think that they understand that. And I think that they're making the right decisions. I just hope that UNLV sees it the same way. I think that's very well said. It was a conversation we we actually had with Arizona State head coach Greg Powers when he talked about that transition and how he was thankful that they kept him on board for that transition. So I, I would hope if UNLV did that, they'd do it the same way. Lastly, I just thought of another question. I would say sports management is probably pretty popular major amongst hockey players. Would guarantee there's a lot of those guys listening that want to get into the sports industry. You've obviously worn many hats, and I think that's... That is advice a lot of people give is just be flexible. What is a piece of advice you would give to somebody who wants to work in the sports industry someday? Say yes to everything. Even if you're going to go be a ticket counter, you never know where that's going to lead. You never know who's going to not show up and you're going to get offered to go DJ the game. You know, that's a very rare experience. But say yes to everything. Say yes to everything. And no matter what you say yes to, champion your position. That is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever come across. And I've, I don't want to say I've coined it myself because I've heard it a hundred times, but that's the biggest piece of advice that I've given. I have to trust everybody else around me to nail their job and to champion their position so that I can be successful. I'm not going to be the loose chain in the organization and not champion my position and let the show suffer because that actually affects everybody else. Know exactly what your goal is and what your desired outcome is and champion your position. Be the best at your job. Be the best for your, your spot. So for me, being the entertainment director, champion the show. Be the best at championing the show. Know what's happening. Know it beginning, middle, end, how it breathes, how it moves, everything. Champion that because I know right across, literally right behind me, 
the marketing team is going to champion their spot. They're going to get the right shots. They're going to know when things are happening because I've championed my position and I put them in a position to succeed. And they're going to put me in a position to succeed by championing their position. So no matter what you do moving forward, wherever you are, champion your position and say yes to everything. Awesome. Zach, once again, thanks for joining us on the show. Like I said, it's not often that we have non-players join us, but I think you offered a, a great perspective and one that a lot of guys will be able to relate to. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really glad I was able to to come on and and share a little bit of knowledge. And, you know, I'm always an ACHA fan before NCAA, I'll tell you that. So that's what we love to hear. Once again, thanks to Zach for coming on the show and joining us. Like I said, pretty cool perspective on how saying yes to, to DJing a UNLV game turned into his career in sports, which is really cool to see, especially for a kid who grew up in that part of the country and ended up working for UNLV and the Golden Knights and watching hockey really grow in, in the city of Las Vegas, too. And not only that, but then joining one of the more famous non-professional baseball teams in the world, the Savannah Bananas, and, and leading their entertainment department. Once again, Thanks, Zach, for joining the show. That interview was presented by OptumX Sports. For the game of the week, we are once again going to the End Market Savannah Hockey Classic. Fitz and I jumped the gun last week. We wanted to make sure we covered it, so we're going to cover it two weeks in a row. I am still going to go with Georgia. I think coming off, they probably celebrated the national championship. I would assume they did on Monday night. You know, this means a lot to the boys. I think they've corralled themselves. I bet they had a hard week of practice, and I, and I bet they're ready to go, and I think they're going to get two wins this week weekend in savannah fits are you sticking with your pick i'm scared to stick just because i predicted that alabama's football team would win and that georgia's football team would lose but i'm gonna stick so hopefully i don't curse the georgia boys here and glick you get to pick for the first time who are you going with i don't think i just have to go with georgia tech they have a pretty cool pre-game little tradition with the car that they did pretty early on which i kind of like i'm gonna go with them yeah the the rambling wreck and, and I, honestly glick i appreciate you going with a different team because i think if we all three went georgia there was probably no chance of them winning if you want to check it out that's friday night florida state takes on georgia tech and then florida will take on georgia and then on saturday florida takes on florida state State and Georgia Tech takes on Georgia in the finale. Uh, the way the tournament works is each team plays two games and the team with the best record wins. I'm not quite sure what the tiebreaker is if two teams go 2-0, and but that should be some exciting hockey. And Florida State is going to debut their new jerseys this weekend. Poor guys down in Tallahassee have been playing with practice jerseys for the first semester. So good to see they got a fresh set from Rebirth, and I'm sure the boys will be feeling good uh, when they hit the ice on Friday night. Moving along to some of the games to watch, uh, we've got UCO at Oklahoma. Big rivalry game in the Sooner State. They are going to take each other on on Thursday night at Blazer Ice Center. Oklahoma coming off a sweep over Bama. We got UCO coming off a sweep against Iowa State. Uh, I think the Bronchos are rolling here. Roll chose. I'm going to take UCO in this one. What about you, Fitz? I'm going Oklahoma solely because I like their jerseys. And Glick? I'm going with UCO solely because I like the name of their mascot. Love that. Love that. For all you you hockey analytics people, this is how we make real predictions on this show. Moving along, big rivalry game down in Kentucky. We got Kentucky taking on Louisville. It is a home and home to kick off the semester. They'll play midnight in Lexington on Friday, and then they'll play in Louisville on Saturday. I think both teams win on home ice. I'm going to take the split here. Not so fast, Murph. You're asking me to pick between two old, really good rivals of mine, but I'm going with the Kentucky boys sweeping. Glick, who are you taking? I don't know. That's a tough one. I think I might just have to agree with you. You know, it's two teams that are really tough to play against on home ice. So I think there's going to both get the home win. 
Yeah, I think uh, obviously the Kentucky has like the crazy midnight crowd, but Louisville really packs it when they when Kentucky comes to town. So I think I think both teams show up on home ice. I'm gonna chime in here for a second. Kentucky with a definitive sweep. Herm's calling a sweep for Big Blue Nation, so you'll have to check those out. Great hockey, like in terms of like if you want to see quality college hockey in the Southeast, I think Louisville Kentucky is a huge matchup down there. Also, another really good game in the South this time in the CHF. We have the University of South Florida USF taking on U Tampa at Amelie. This is awesome. Love to see this. I hope there's a really good crowd. They're gonna take each other on on Sunday after afternoon you tampa number one team in the chf right now first game after the break actually both schools are in tampa so i'm gonna take you tampa in this one fits who you got i'm gonna go with you tampa i got a buddy on the team shout out to anthony mancini played with him in high school so i, I think he's gonna lead the boys to a dub click who are you going with i'm gonna have to go with the underdog i think that usf is gonna be is gonna play upset they're gonna play spoiler and i think they're gonna get the win and herm who do you have i'm gonna go for the split but honestly i think this is the biggest hockey news story out of florida since kodak black's little incident the other night so <laughs> Honestly, I'm looking forward to this game. Yeah, the, the Kodak, uh, I, I actually, you know what? I'm not going to dive into the Kodak Black stuff. If you, you, got, see you mentioned it, no, no, you mentioned it. You got to, you got to dive into it now. I, you know, obviously you see that first video and you think one thing. I just couldn't believe hockey Twitter, how nuts hockey Twitter went over it. Like you had like Roberto Luongo chiming in, who was in the press box next to Kodak Black. This morning I, I woke up to the video of... The other angle of Kodak Black, which clearly shows that what you think is happening isn't happening, but it still kind of is happening. So I guess that that's all I'll say about Kodak Black, but uh, I guess he's growing the game of hockey, right? More people talked about the Florida Panthers win over the Vancouver Canucks than if he hadn't been at the game, right? Like how many impressions is that for the NHL? It's a big deal for them on social, just not the deal that they signed up for. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of leads to, you know, the bigger question of maybe the Florida Panthers should stop having celebrity fans. If you know, you know. Staying in Florida, we've got a matchup in the CHF in Daytona Beach. Embry-Riddle is hosting South Carolina. Both teams qualified for the ACHA Nationals back in 2020 and have made the hop to the CHF. South Carolina weighs in at number five in the Southeast, and Embry-Riddle weighs in at number seven. It's a three-game series at Daytona Beach. I know guys on both teams. Shout out to the guys at Embry-Riddle. They actually met my my great uncle the other day and, and connected the dots that they both follow the Hockey House podcast. So I think Embry-Riddle gets two of the three against South Carolina. I think the boys from South Carolina are going to have a hard time staying focused down in Daytona this weekend. I got the boys at Kakaki taking two of three. I think they win Friday, lose Saturday, and then win Sunday. Glick, your counter argument? I'm going to have to go with the same amount of wins, but just different order. I think the Kakaki is going to win the first two, and then Embry-Riddle is just going to win the third. All right, and then hopping back to ACHA Division One action, Stony Brook is going to travel to Ohio. Herm will be on on site for that one. Herm, any insights going into the weekend? Why did you have to tell me about the D3 transfers going to Stony? I was not aware of that, and that's going to put a sour mood on me for the entire flight over. Stony's already scary enough. Like, why, why would you do that to me? Listen, I was just an avid hockey fan tuning in on Sunday, and then I'm like, they're like collecting pucks for these guys, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, these guys beat us 8-1. to one. Like, those guys didn't score goals in those games? Like, who are these guys? And then they mentioned it's his first game as a Seawolf, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, of course, elite prospects go to the page, some D3 transfers. So I don't know. I, I got to think about this one. Fitz, you got your pick yet? I think it's going to be a split. Hearing the stories about Bird Arena, I think 
I think Ohio takes one. And Glick, what about you? Um, I think I'm just gonna have to stick with Herm's boys. I think they're gonna get two wins this weekend. You know what? I'll I think Stony Brook goes in there and gets two wins on the road. They after losing to Delaware, they battle back with a, a sweep against the Blue Hens. I think they're gonna travel to Ohio and uh I think they'll send a message. So I'll I'll pick Stony Brook with the sweep. Moving on, we got some D one versus D two action. William Patterson is gonna play Ryder on Saturday night. They're also playing Division two Montclair State on Friday night, but we're gonna have this game circled against Ryder. I think Ryder, the D2 team, I, they've been hot all year long, a little underrated in Division 2. I think they're getting the upset of the D1 team. I totally agree, Murph. Going Ryder. I think it's just a sick name, too. Like, Ryder. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> and Glick, who are you going with? I have to root for Ryder strictly because I want to root against William Patterson since they are in our division. So, go Bronx. We got the Bronx and the Bronchos. Don't get them mixed up, folks. Plenty of ACHA action out in Colorado this weekend in the 2022 Big Mountain Classic. Uh, One of the games that we have circled is Oregon versus Weber State. Uh, they're going to play each other Friday night in Colorado. I'm going to take the Ducks on this one. I think coming off the, the big weekend and actually I'm going to pause. Pause. I'm retracting that statement. I'm actually going to go with Weber State on this one. I think Oregon had a great weekend at home, outdoors, but Weber State doesn't care. Weber State is going to go into Colorado, and I think they're going to get the W on Friday night. I'm taking the Ducks, Murph. I was I was happy when you started your statement. I'm taking the Ducks, not even worried about it. Jerseys are on point. That's how I make my picks. Go Ducks. And shout out, I think we've talked about it at least once now, but they fixed the helmet issue. They had the best jerseys in the ACHA, and everybody was always like, but they have black helmets. They don't have matching helmets and then they finally went and got some green helmets i think it's the best looking uniform in college hockey once again i don't think weber state cares though so glick what's your pick i don't know i think the green buckets are going to get the win this game like you know they're moving up to division one next year so they're they're going to be preparing for next year as well so you just can't lose with those jerseys it's like impossible Another Division Two matchup that we have circled. We have uh, Michigan State traveling down to play Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, I guess a, a lot of Southeast hockey in, in the games to watch this weekend, especially in Florida. I'm going to think split here. It's tough when you go down to Florida Gulf Coast. I think that first game is, is tough to get adjusted, but I think Michigan State will rebound and win the second game. I grew up a big Wolverine fan, played against Michigan State when I was at Indiana, but I'm taking the Spartans. They're going to get the sweep down in Florida. Glick, what do you think about that? Florida Gulf Coast is just going to take advantage of the home ice advantage. MSU is going to go down to Florida and have a little bit too much fun now that, you know, they're they're used to the cold. So now that it's, it's you know, it's a bit change of temperature, they're not going to know what to do. So I'm going to go with Florida Gulf Coast with the sweep. All right, and then in women's action, we have uh, this game between Minot State and Lindenwood. Uh, I think this is a good uh, you know, national tournament preview down at Centene this weekend. I think uh, the girls from Lindenwood are going to take the sweep here. So I'm going to take uh, a 2-0 sweep from Lindenwood over Minot State. I agree, Murph. Just playing the men's Lindenwood team, they were some mean dudes. So just going off of that, we'll go Lindenwood for the sweep. And uh, I think it's just going to be a split. It's two really very talented teams. So I think one team's going to win the first. The next team's going to win the next. Bounce back. Shout out to the Minot State women, though. They also have one of my favorite jerseys in the ACHA. The the, the green and red is a a very good look. Um, And and then wrapping things up, we have a D2 outdoor tournament in Detroit. uh, The Clark Park Coalition. We have Bowling Green, Loyola Marymount, Texas, and Central Michigan. I'm excited to see this one because I know uh, the boys at Bowling Green were disappointed when their game at Toledo got canceled. Uh, They were supposed to play outdoors at the Winterfest that the Toledo Walleye were hosting. Uh, So good to see them playing another outdoor game. I'm sure they're going to wear their outdoor jerseys that they didn't get to wear. So be on the lookout for that game. 
Hopefully the boys at Bowling Green start the year off well outdoors. And cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about upgrading your grooming routine for the new year? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com and use the code HockeyHouse for 20% off plus free shipping. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders in male grooming. This year, take your grooming to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks all over. It also comes equipped with 4000K LED spotlight that will shine light to the promised land 2022 looks to be. Kick discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code HockeyHouse. Cheers to grooming with the best in 2022. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HockeyHouse at manscaped.com. Com. Time for the question of the week. Uh, this one comes courtesy of Glick. Seen a lot of TikTok trends lately. I think the hockey guys did one where his biggest hockey pet peeves. So that's what Glick's brought to the table today. And, and I guess we'll start off with you, Glick. What's your biggest hockey pet peeve? Mine's got to be pregame announcers that mispronounce names for like the starting lineup. Now I get it if you have a very difficult name. My name has four letters and it's said exactly as it's spelled. Yet somehow people still somehow find a way to butcher it. And I don't know why that just kind of frustrates me. Do they say glyke? I've gone gilk before. Thank God I've never gone glyke. I would. I don't know what I'd do if that happened, but it's it's usually gilk. I was just looking at it and being like, how how else would you say it? I, I don't know. I, I feel like when we when we first met, I was like, it looks like it's glick, but the, I don't know. I guess it's a funny sounding name. Like maybe it's pronounced a different way. But yeah, I, I talked about it with Fitz, but over the Christmas break, I was doing a little PA announcing and my trick was just go over and warm ups to the coaches on the bench and just say like, hey, how do you pronounce Jimmy's last name? Like, how do you pronounce Johnny's last name? name and they're usually pretty nice about it and then uh you make everybody happy and at least you tried i guess that's that's my take on the pregame announcements but we talked about this before but a, a pet peeve too is when places don't even do the starting lineups which is is you know not a good look for some teams but fits what do you got for biggest pet peeve players that don't wear socks under their skates i get that we we all kind of did it when we were younger but if you still do it uh you're just considered a psychopath in my book and it's just it's so cringy when i see someone doing it, it makes me sick yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a weird, weird sign when you're like in the locker room and you, you don't you probably don't usually pay attention to your teammates getting dressed, but you definitely notice when someone's sticking their bare foot into a, a skate boot. That's for sure. And Herm, we I know one of your biggest pet peeves is, is the photo tags, and I'm sure our fans know that now, which is, is great because photographers do need to be tagged. But in terms of hockey, what is one of your biggest pet peeves? I guess following up on the theme of the interview in terms of entertainment, I'd say no DJ. We had that this weekend. I went out to see Alex at the NESC in Marlboro. All of the games had no music. And it was the weirdest experience. Like, I haven't been to a game where that's happened in ages. It's just kind of eerily quiet. And I'm like, huh. It's weird. Yeah, welcome to Marlboro. I wonder if that'll be the case when the national tournament comes to the New England Sports Center. I mean, I would assume that's how it'll be just because of the way the rink is set up, but I, I hope not. I hope not. Obviously, I would assume those games in rink one would have music and, and uh, at least rink one and rink two, but 
Uh, we'll see. My biggest pet peeve, I think I've mentioned it before, I just can't stand when guys wear baseball hats walking into the rink with a shirt and tie. I'm fine with the baseball. Like, if, if you're walking in with sweats and you got a baseball hat on, like, that's fine. But it's just like, it's it's not a good look, I don't think. Like, I think if you want to wear a hat, you should wear a dress hat or a fedora or a Peaky Blinders hat. Like, there's plenty of good dress hat options. Uh, maybe like a Boston Red Sox flat brim is not the option. So that I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Murph, do you want to just at your Syracuse teammates at this point? Like, I feel like this is this is a pointed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of one of the ones that I can't stand. Now, what's your opinion on beanies and toques in the winter? I know that's like a pretty big hockey style move, but what's your opinion on that? I think it's got to match your suit, like in your tie. Like, you got to coordinate that. Like, I think a go-to, like if you're gonna wear a Syracuse beanie and you play for Syracuse, like that's fine, like that works. But if you play for GCU and you walk into the rink with a Winnipeg jets toque like i i don't know if that makes sense like the one color toques work i think that that's my statement on that but i i'm also a guy who like doesn't really like my hair so i wear a hat 24 7 so i understand why you want to wear a hat but i think you just ditch the hat for the walk into the rink and then throw it on when you get in the locker room any closing thoughts this weekend i think we got a good slate of games we're taking on niagara this weekend they were supposed to travel out to colorado state that game ended up getting canceled because of travel issues but we got a nice home and home i always like when we do the home and homes because quick drive over to Niagara and, and we'll have one later in the season when we take on Buffalo but it'll be nice to see uh, Tom Meradian who, who we spoke to on the podcast and always nice when you see people you've talked to before but you get to meet them in person I'm also going to take on former uh, British Academy teammate of mine Tyler Hart always good to see Hartsey uh, we usually see each other once or twice over the summers and uh, be looking forward to that game uh, what do you guys have planned for the weekend I should have said my biggest pet peeve is small ties. But anyways, <laughs> the Black Bears got three games, two against the second-place Danbury Hattricks Friday, Saturday, and then Watertown first-place team on Sunday. So it's going to be a grind. Glick, what's the weekend looking like for the Owls? So we kind of have the weekend off, and we also have Monday off because of MLK Day. So I'm just going to be enjoying my nice long weekend getting ready for our first games against Navy. Uh, I'm sure that, that'll be a tough one, as always, when the midshipmen come to town. And, of course, Herm will be back home in Athens, Ohio, back at Bird Arena. And I'm sure, um, you know, you're very excited about that. Very excited. It's going to be the first game I've seen at Bird in a couple of years now, and I'm pumped. If the Olympia breaks down again, I want to see a video of you out there pushing it. You have my word that if the Olympia breaks down, I will walk out there, camera in tow, around my neck, whole deal, and I will make as much of a solid effort as possible to push that thing wherever it needs to go. I feel like that's a good trade-off, though, because if it broke down and guys were pushing it, you would probably snap a couple pictures, and then it's like, okay, if I'm going to take pictures, I might as well be out here and help. I don't know how much help I would be. My 6'4 frame, as you mentioned before the, <laughs> the recording of this episode, would be of massive help to the guys uh well that being said once again thank you to everyone for listening be sure to follow along on social media we appreciate everyone who, who's tuned into the show this week and we look forward to talking to you guys next week join the short time movement see you boys no see you boys